You're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast hosted by the team here at Soul Strategies. We hope you like the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. And we're live. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 19 of our Soul Strategies podcast. And today we have a special guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about who you are and your campaign and what you're doing? Yeah, thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Lachmi Gopal. I am a Bronx native who's running for city council in District 15. And a little bit about myself. So I was born and raised in the Bronx. I'm a first generation um, Guyanese American who is just dedicated to community, really passionate about bringing um, actual reform to the Bronx and excited to be talking about our campaign, the political moment right now, um, and what we can be doing to build a better Bronx together. Love it. So what made you first decide to run? I know that's like a big decision to make, but what was like the, my Google Home started talking, but <laughs> what was one of the issues that made you decide that this is something that you need to do and get active in? Yeah, um, so I've been a community organizer for over five years. I've done campaigns that are rooted in economic justice and racial justice, both on a national and local level. Um, I've worked on campaigns like Five for 15, um, Fair Fairs that brings actual affordable um, metro cards and access to transit to the Bronx. Um, I've been involved in public housing, organizing, and even a year-long impeachment campaign against Trump. And so I've been doing this work, working with community, um, both on issues and in the electoral space for years now. And I came home after the Bernie campaign to the Bronx, um, in the middle of the summer at the height of the at the height of the pandemic and i couldn't i couldn't stop thinking about what we needed to be doing in order to continue to not only build our communities to keep sustaining us and making sure that we're thriving but also really um take a step back and and take a look at how our safety nets are not there and so really doing all the community organizing that I've been doing and coming back during this pandemic and seeing how hard the Bronx was hit, yeah. I took a moment to think through what accountability looked like. What, mm -hmm. Where can we actually be shifting power? How can we have the direct investment and the love and the care that these neighborhoods deserve, my neighborhoods deserve? Um, and I, I decided to run for city council because I think that is the place in which we can shift a lot of the power. Um, that's where the budget is. It's where our tax dollars are actually being allocated back to us. And I think having community organizers and community input and in those decisions has been something that has not necessarily been the case in the Bronx, especially in this district. Mm -hmm. And so really wanting to make sure that we're spending the time and that capital in a way that will help us get through this pandemic, help us continue to develop out our safety nets. And on a more personal note, I love the Bronx. I yeah. love the Bronx so much. It, it, I was born and raised here. Um, it is by far my favorite borough and I will fight you on it. It's amazing <laughs> and wonderful. And you know, my parents grew up here too. Like they both came here in their late twenties and early thirties and they attribute so much of their adulthood and their access and their opportunities to the beautiful, vibrant black, brown, working class immigrant communities in the Bronx that helped raise mm -hmm. them, that took care of them when they were learning what America was, when mm -hmm. they were trying to figure out their own footing too. And 
I know the beautiful people here and the neighborhoods here, and I know we deserve more. We've always deserved more, but from doing the work that I've been doing with community organizing, um, the work that I've done on the Bernie campaign, and just recognizing how bad it is right now due to the COVID pandemic and what we need to be doing in the future, mm-hmm. I want to continue to give back to the place that raised me, raised my parents, and hopefully I can have kids here too, and I want it to be a place that sustains us and doesn't harm us ultimately. And that involves actual investment. And so those are some of the reasons I'm, I'm really interested in running for, for city council and dedicated uh, to these neighborhoods in the Bronx because we deserve more. Yeah, I can really hear your passion in your voice. And just when you're talking about it, you can tell that you really do love where you come from. And that's actually really, really fr- refreshing to hear because you will get a lot of candidates who simply just want power. They just want to control something. They just want to own something or they just want to have a title or they come from wealth. So they just feel like it's their right or it's just something that they deserve to have. So to hear you describe your your city and your borough and where you come from and to see just your face light up when you talk about it. I believe in you. I believe that it's something that you really want. So I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I go hard for the Bronx. 100%. I can tell. Girl, you go hard in the paint. <laughs> so as since you started your run, you spoke about um, coming from an immigrant family and being a woman of color running. Have you run into any prejudices or any obstacles because of that so far in your campaign? Yeah, I mean, I think being a young woman of color always comes with with difficulty. We enter rooms and we're not taken seriously. Um, we're not given the same grace of learning and investment and also our experiences are um, sort of chipped away at in a way that they are, you know, they, you can have an experience and it feels either lived or professional that doesn't feel like it's up to par to what, what is expected politically, but those same standards are not set up for, for men, especially white men. It's not, it's not the same. And so, and I've seen that across my organizing, across the political advocacy work that I've done. Um, It's not something that I've, I'm foreign to at all. I'm very used to um, being underestimated in that way. And so it has come up. But what I will say is the community has really um, resonated and been hyped about the fact that there is somebody who is young, who's from the block, who understands what we're going through, has yeah. um, is really dedicated to our neighbors, um, our neighborhoods, our communities, and really, really wants to not get out of the hood, but continue to build a hood that sustains us. And so people are excited about that. And I, and for me, at the end of the day, connecting with voters, understanding what voters want and what they need um, are at the core of what we're doing here. And I think that's the most important thing is, is to make sure that I'm not, never delegating, but thinking through solutions to our, our collective problems together with the community. And they're actually excited to have young energy, to have um, a woman do this. You've never had, in, in this particular district for city council, we've never had uh, a female elected official oh, wow. on any of the levels. So mm-hmm. city council, assembly uh, for Congress as well. And so I think people are excited and that that's a testament to um, I think the politicization that's been happening across not only the Bronx and New York, but across the country, we've been seeing this movement, this progressive movement that is um, really kind of um, broken through what it means, what it looks like to be a politician, what it looks like to be somebody who has access um, mm-hmm. to these seats and to have a direct relationship to community from, um, from a place of elected office. And so yeah. I think people are excited about something new and um, 
And so that has been helpful. I think more so what you're describing, the difficulties of being a woman of color, it comes up, you know, I even even with like engaging with voters and stuff, it does come up. But I think once folks realize that, like you said, you saw my passion, I care about this place. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about and I've been doing the work and those things start to speak for themselves and people resonate towards it. And that's all I can really be doing and continue to learn and, and bring forth what people's priorities are. Definitely. I agree a hundred percent. So you, you spoke about how this is being like a people driven campaign. Have you f- faced any other difficulties because you decided not to take corporate PAC money? How has that affected your campaign? And do you feel like your campaign is getting the attention that you feel like it deserves without that type of support financially? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's, it's something that no, I had no questions about, no hesitations about, and I did not want to take, we actually can't take PAC money at all for city council, but we, um, I'm committing to not taking real estate or corporation or police union funds. And those things just allow me to be more um, directly reflective of community without having um, agents of particular interests really show up in the way that I can, I can actually work with community or be be um, leveraged in a certain way that ultimately can harm community. So it was never a question about whether or not I was going to take it. Um, definitely did not want to, but it does, you know, money gives you access to voters, gives you visibility and gives you an opportunity oftentimes to be speaking to our community, thinking through the ways that we can actually um, be in this moment using the campaign and not waiting for mm-hmm. when, when hopefully I am the city councilwoman to actually be doing the work. And so it's limiting in the fact that we can't do as many food distributions. We can't do as right. much mutual aid. And there's wonderful mm-hmm. groups in the Bronx who are doing this work, mm-hmm. um, but our campaign is is more limited in that way because of the funds, right? And so we've been we've been fundraising. It's um, we've gotten so much support from so many individual. Hundreds of people have donated to us, and you know I think that shows. And it's mostly small dollars. Like our average donation is less less than fifty dollars a person. And I think that's a testament to we're grinding and hustling with the community yeah. and and doing it small donation at a time um and that is is definitely the way that I want to be running this campaign even though it is more difficult money wise but I think it shows direct relationship and commitment to community in a way that you can't actually do if you're taking money in that regard um I will say that one of the really exciting promising things about taking these small donor um, small donor, taking the small donor route is that we have a matching program in New York. So mm-hmm. our campaign finance board, if you, um, they will match you eight to one wow. for every New York City resident. Mm-hmm. If we're able to get 75 in district um, donations and $5,000 minimum um, for New York residents to donate to us. And that the matching is amazing. It's $10 donated becomes 90 bucks. It's an eight to one match. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons I think that you're seeing a lot of people of color, younger folks, mm-hmm. grassroots campaigns come out for city yeah. council and other, other positions across New York City right now because of this matching program. It's very liberating mm-hmm. to not have to actually be um, uh, beholden to real estate, corporations, yeah. um, and police unions in, in any of those ways. Like it actually allows us to, to work towards and do these small donations so that we can get this matching and continue with that momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say it, before matching hits, it's difficult. It definitely is difficult. It's a lot of hustle. It's a lot of grind. And I'm bringing the energy that I had at the Bernie campaign where I ran, um, our, I ran a portion of our national canvassing program 
Mm -hmm. um, to be able to, to bring that knocking doors, talking to community one by one, we're able to do it. And that, that's the foot groundwork that we're, I'm committed to and my campaign's committed to. And um, it's showing up dollar by dollar. Uh, and we always can use way more support um, to get us over that finish line too. Yeah, it really does even the playing field, I would say, because like you were saying, you get a lot of people more like yourself, people who are young or old, people who just genuinely care about the people in their area and really do want to see change in their communities. When you have programs like the one you're describing or when you have those multiple people donations, it creates more of a movement and it gives you that energy and that support that you really need to make a change. And it's more profound that way because it's not you're just not you didn't get support from these three businesses and that's how you got to this biz you know got to this position or you're just not taking money or beholden to one industry you're able to really represent the people when you run your campaigns the way that you guys are choosing to run yours so that's a really smart move and it's actually a move that's actually going to help the Bronx rather than you know just be another face on the council so that's definitely agree with you (laughs) Okay, so what are some of the steps that you believe are necessary in helping us get back to a new normal in the Bronx and in America post-COVID, if there is such a thing? (laughs) Post-COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a new normal, normal is never good enough. I will say that 100%. I've said it in a different way, but normal normal has never been good enough, especially for the Bronx, especially for this district. We have been... um, making sure that we're supporting each other. There's lots of mutual aid here, There's, but it's existed before COVID. And mm-hmm. I think that's a testament to a lack of good accountability relationship to government, right? And so we've, we've been making sure that nobody leaves um, leaves the living room or the cookout hungry. We've been making sure that people get to their doctor's appointments. That is the culture that's here. Um, and you see it across, you know, across neighborhoods, on the block, everyone feels, um, really invested in how people are doing. And that's a beautiful thing in the Bronx specifically. But I will say that a new normal needs to be um, redefining that social contract with government, holding government accountable to our actual needs and pushing for things that are services that are not sort of piecemeal, that kind of solve these like random issues that that sometimes get highlighted, but more so helping build an infrastructure that actually sustains us long term. And I think that's really what the new normal is. And that there's a huge opportunity to do that on city council because it is budget reform. It is direct investment in Mm -hmm. contracts and infrastructure and what affordable housing looks like in jobs, right? Or one thing that's really exciting is we can actually pass healthcare for all via city council. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is exciting and it can actually it can actually um, help so many Bronxites and and people in the neighborhood um, make decisions that feel empowering and the best for themselves and their families when they're not having to be boggled down by the potential debt of medical care mm-hmm. or um, they you know folks are not able to make rent because affordable housing right now in the Bronx affordable housing units um, in this particular district are priced so high. And actually yeah. the gap between what the average median income is for salary is so much lower. We're at about 21,000 average median income for this district. Yet mm-hmm. a lot of the, the housing units for single for a single person, it's a requirement of about 60K, which feels 
unreachable, which is what it is. So I think it's redefining everything mm -hmm. from what affordable housing really is in this district, redefining mm -hmm. our accountability relationship to government, reminding mm -hmm. government that those are our tax dollars. We should have more decisions about what that looks like. I also think new normal needs to be um, a town hall court culture, community mm -hmm. center culture. I think making sure that we're having opportunities for participatory budgeting. So that's when people in the community get to come together similar to community boards and actually go through um, what are the potential things that can be utilized in this budget and have a vote. And mm -hmm. then that be the thing that holds uh, the representative, whoever's in an elected office for city council actually accountable. So that's what people want. So that's what I'm gonna vote on. And yeah. having that um, feedback loop constantly in place in that infrastructure right mm -hmm. now, there isn't anything formal in that way. And I think it's really important to, to give people an opportunity to come together and be like, I actually support this or I don't or listen to why. Um, mm -hmm. So often people run campaigns and then don't yeah. all, don't do the work of continuing to be in relationship and conversation with community. That's and so very it's all true. about redefining, redefining what government is, redefining our relationship to it and redefining the access that we deserve. Hey, you're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast. Take a moment to listen to some of our esteemed champions and their takeaways from the program. Thank you, Z and Michael and everybody else and Soul Strategies for one, reaching out and making sure that we are all part of something bigger and giving us the resources that we may not have even looked for. Head over to soulstrategies.com now to find out more information. I think you're absolutely right. I think even it's even beyond redefining because it seems like there's a point where we've come into politics, especially just nationally, where there is no relationship between elected officials and the people who voted. Usually it does just completely end after the votes. And a lot of times, even during the process of getting them elected, there's just such a huge disconnect that by the time they make it to the House or to Congress or to the White House or just to the to the city council locally, even your precinct chair or whatever, there's no more relationship whatsoever. And exactly what you were saying, it's so important. And it's just crazy to me. It was like clicking in my head when you were saying that. It's like, wow, we literally elect people and then never hear from them again. <laughs> and that's, that's sad because it's like, who are you really representing? And what are your real motives for being here? Because when you really look back on it, it's like your motives couldn't be to help empower the community or whatever it was that you were running your platform on because once you've reached this level and once you got elected and reached that level of success that you were aiming for you have completely disregarded those who helped you get there so it's really important to do like you said is to just build a relationship and sustain it because I feel like a lot of times there is just none yeah no definitely and you know being a community organizer relationship building is 101. It's it's mm -hmm. how you get anything done because it's how you not only um, give a person or give a community a chance to express where they're at, mm -hmm. but you also are actively listening to build solutions together. And right. I think that is something that is completely missing from, from elected officials or, or our relationship and accountability to one another. And, you know, like you just said, elected officials don't talk to folks in the community. My, I'm, my mother and I are both, um, what you would call prime voters. We vote mm -hmm. in every election, special, primary, all of it. Mm -hmm. Have we ever been called? No. Have we ever been door knocked? No. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. that that's also part of it too, is like folks are not reaching people mm -hmm. um, across, across the neighborhoods in a way that yeah. is 
that sustains a relationship, right? And so people people are, are oftentimes just left in the dark. And like when we've, we've been door knocking and out in the community um, these last few weeks and people are just excited to get political education at the door. They're like, oh, there is a chance to elect a city council person. There, there is an election happening. Wait, I didn't realize that this was going on. And that is, that is purely from lack of information sharing that is intentional and yes. that is inclusive and that yes. is not because community doesn't care like mm-hmm. we have a very low voter turnout percentage wise in this district and in the bronx in general mm-hmm. and i would argue and completely stand by that that is not because people don't care or they don't understand the importance of their vote it's because no one's talking to them mm-hmm. and they're not made to feel important and they are just completely unaware i was um working on local campaigns here in dallas i live in dallas texas and when we were doing door knocking you would go and people would be like the same thing oh i didn't know there was an election going on i'm like yeah girl we're trying to vote for the mayor they're like what people literally have no idea because they're just not being included or like you said they're being excluded you know gerrymandering is a huge thing all across the country and they are there are people who are making it their mission to make sure communities like yours can't speak and will not have a voice because they know that if they're able to voice their real opinions and if they're able to fight for things, then they'll have to be included in a conversation that they've been purposely been led to be kept out of. And a lot of people don't want the responsibility of having to include communities like yours because that means that they're gonna have to be a little less comfortable and things are going to have to change to empower those communities. And that's not something that a lot of people wanna do. So. Yeah, and you see it on a national level too. And so like the work that I've done um, nationally, the voter engagement work, um, Mm -hmm. right now currently I'm working on, I worked on the general election um, post Bernie. I'm working because I'm, I'm a working class candidate, so I have to have a nine to five to yes, keep sir. myself sustained. I'm um, mm-hmm. in a good financial place to continue to be committed to these small donors and be committed mm-hmm. to community and not be beholden to anyone else. Um, and so I'm, I'm still working on elections and the general election and the Georgia Senate, Senate races that are the, the um, Senate runoff races that are happening right now. You see this particular year with the with the presidential elections, the, the federal elections, mm-hmm. what it how like transformational it is when black and brown voters are purposely brought in, activated, inspired, and included in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And coming from a district that I'm hoping to represent and to be in community with, that is majority black and brown, majority immigrant, and majority working class, there's Mm -hmm. a reason that there is low voter turnout here. And it's lack of intentional engagement. And you see it across the country. And you know, that's a testament to, I think, progressive politics and mm-hmm. this 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 interest of making sure that we're um, keeping the black and brown liberation movement at the forefront of elect- elections and electoralizing mm-hmm. the country, uh, everything from the presidential level all the way to city council. And I yeah. think it is being intentional of who you're bringing into the conversation, who mm-hmm. you're making hyped about voting. Voting is a powerful energizing mm-hmm. thing like I yeah. I don't know I, I the euphoria I experienced after you know I've experienced mm-hmm. it since I was like seven and I would go with to my with my mom <laughs> to the voting booth I could barely reach up to mm-hmm. it but I remember feeling like yo this is so cool I get to do this we get to choose mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. I just think like voting has been you know played down on purpose and it's 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 um, been associated to the lack of government investment when really mm-hmm. what it is is that you to, to continue to have better investment and better resource allocation and just more visible change, more and more folks need to come out and specifically black and brown folks, you see it. Yes. You see the change when it happens and it's so it's so transformational on a national and local level. And, and I'm committed to continuing to electoralize and just 
just make it a broader um, interest and engagement and participation from from everyone in this district who are registered to vote continue to register more folks to, to, to vote and understand the power in that and also people when you're voting you're also voting for folks who can't to mm -hmm. undocumented individuals people who are incarcerated folks who have been harmed by systems that are not at all built for us that that um, purposefully are set up to trap us or to keep us down and 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 your vote is not just for you and your loved ones and your family members, but it's also for your neighbors who can't. Yeah. And I think that's also something that needs to be in the conversation too. And, and we saw transformation happen on a national level. And I, you know, we're hoping to bring that to the local level as well. Definitely. And it honestly, it all begins on the local level. If people really want to see like immediate change in their life, then elections like yours are some of the ones that are the absolute most important. You know, a lot of the times, a lot of federal policies and legislature don't even make it down to the Bronx or to Dallas or wherever. And if you really want to see change in your community, then it starts with electing people right in front of you to represent you right there. So you're doing some good stuff, girl. I support you. I like you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so how has social media and digital marketing been a part of your campaign? And have you seen any good examples of how that's been, you know, getting your, your profile raised and getting more attention to your campaign? Yeah, I mean, social media on an organic level has actually been really pivotal. I think, you know, people, people get their news from Twitter. 100 mm -hmm. like when i talk to you go to the bodega here and people are talking about things it's like you get your news from the bodega you get it from twitter sometimes local news so people are hearing what's happening in the neighborhood in that way and so i right. think like twitter instagram facebook are great ways to engage voters to keep them informed um to bring more folks in to the conversation and for you know one limiting factor i will admit is that facebook ads and ad political ads in general ha are banned currently and that is a direct response to irresponsible digital marketing that happened on a national level that harmed um, voter engagement and and um, created a, a potentially dangerous interaction with mm. information right like it was not truthful or, or it was it was just some um, purposely misleading purposely misleading exactly and so i think like not having facebook ads has definitely been um, a limiting factor in our digital marketing like we're not able to to do outreach in a way that is um, much more targeted or making sure that we're reaching folks in the neighborhood in that way or in the district in that way but I will say like um, going live on Instagram uh, tweets about like what's going on keeping people updated about what we're doing on the ground letting people know like the visuals and the stories of what's happening if they weren't part of this experience is also some way to also keep it exciting campaigns can be and should be really exciting meeting your community members hearing what they got to say coming up with the collective solutions like this stuff should be encouraged and I think social media does a really creates a platform for us to be sharing that it like people get to see like okay they went door knocking today and these were the important things that people I also care about this mm -hmm. and now I want to engage too and so it not only helps people be interested in our campaign but I think it it also shows that overall a community that's often ignored and under-resourced actually cares has ideas and are, know exactly what the what the solutions to their own problems are and social media just gives you an opportunity to engage in a way of it's like an entry point and a follow through I think that's really how we use social media for the most part or and digital marketing in general 
And I think it needs to be a supplement and a complement to what's happening on the ground. You are not, especially here, you are not going to um, reach folks and you shouldn't depend only on digital marketing at all. You're not going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I will say digital marketing during COVID has been really interesting to watch. Like as somebody who's done community organizing has had to um, communicate about campaigns, like we've done it in a way that it's been more supplementary. And right now it feels like everyone's home. And so it's an opportunity to really get folks or like most people, most people are home depending on your job and and all of these things. Um, But it's a way to get people engaged and excited and interested in what's happening. And so it, it is definitely a place to cultivate support and to cultivate interest and to ask people where they're at. Um, but I do fully believe, especially as somebody who is um, very field forward in campaigns, I think you have to complement it and, yes. and make sure that it, it sustains your field message, um, but that you're meeting people where they're at. And they're, they're, some of them are online and some of them aren't. And we kind of have to do a combination of those two things. Definitely. Okay, good, good. So what is one thing that you want the people to take away from this interview today? What is the impression that you want them to leave with? Yeah, I think the impression honestly is that we deserve so much more. And this is everybody from the Bronx to New York to the rest of this country. We deserve so much more. And I really encourage folks to get involved in local elections, to, um, to get involved on community boards, to get a sense of what is happening on a local level. Like you said, federal stuff, it matters and it's important, but it doesn't hit your backyard the same way. Right. And so really understanding like we are deserving, we are deserving of sustainability, of of more than just survival, barely, especially in a place like the Bronx in this particular district where you've seen it be just inadequate. And so just know that you're deserving, know that we deserve more and that there are ways to work um, with government and push government to be better, to better serve us. And I think that is a relationship I'm really dedicated um, to, to being in, in communication about in the neighborhood so folks know that this is possible. We've been doing a lot of political education about what city council can do and like that there is this election and people are really resonating towards that. And so just know we're, we're, we're more deserving than the things we currently have and we can and we do have the power to push for what we deserve. And that starts on a local level. I love that we are more deserving. I didn't, you need to make that like one of your slogans. <laughs> put it on a t-shirt and sell it. We should put but, that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to walk oh, we away. We are, we are. Yeah. And um, I can, uh, and like, if you're, you know, folks who are interested in um, bringing progressive energy to the Bronx, making mm-hmm. sure that we're actually um, utilizing these budget fights that are going to be happening and budget allocation that's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, to better serve our communities and, and do a reallocation of resources can definitely join us at gopallforthebronx.org slash join the fight. Um, you can s- sign up for volunteering. We are in, um, creeping up to a fundraising deadline right now. And so we're looking for small donors, $10 mm-hmm. or more New York residents, um, in-district residents who are um, interested in seeing this particular campaign continue to do the work that we're doing now of political education and mutual aid and just reaching out to communities and continue to bring that energy to city council. Every dollar counts, every bit counts. And um, I promise and my team promises to continue to give that back directly to community and continue to run a campaign that is of value and that is morally integrity, has moral integrity and that is really developing and focused on building a better Bronx together. 
All right. Well, I definitely, definitely believe in you and I can feel your energy and your excitement. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today and let everybody hear your platform and hear the great things that you're going to be doing in the Bronx. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's, you know, as you said, I'm always hyped to talk about the Bronx. I'll talk about it forever. It's my home and I'm really excited to continue to build here. I love it. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for tuning in with us. And hopefully we can have you on again soon. Maybe hear your victory speech, you know, and you can come and give us a victory interview later on. That would be great. Yes, manifest that for me. Manifest yeah, it. I'm I love putting it. it. I'm putting it in the air right now. You're going to win. I mean. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was so dope to, to learn a little bit more about you and excited to hear more about Dallas at some point too. Thank you. Oh, yes, next time, girl. Next time for sure. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.